This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning. Our lines are open. 1850-333-103. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls and comments this morning. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Or indeed you can tweet at C103Cork. Email across the show jp at c103.ie. And already a number and a lot of texts and calls in regarding that interview that Phil Hogan, the Commissioner Phil Hogan, gave last night to RTE, to Tony Connolly of RTE in Brussels at this is regarding him defending basically his actions over the last number of days of him travelling across the country and him entering the country and basically disobeying the laws that have been put in place and that everybody else is obeying over the last number of months at this stage across Ireland. Uh, well, basically the majority of people just feel he's arrogant and that he uh, it's going back to the old set of politics of the 80s and 90s that we're above the law, uh, we can do what we want and the ordinary person will have to obey by those rules that we set out. That's the general feeling on our phones and texts so far this morning. Your views are welcome on that interview uh, that he gave yesterday. Uh, what is your view on it? And do you agree with those callers already on to us? I get to those comments shortly. 1850-333-103. And also on the programme this morning, we are going to be following on from yesterday's show a lot of anger in both Bandon and Bantry. And following that, there was an emergency meeting called yesterday in Bandon, first of all, where local councillors met with council engineers and what led, basically asking the questions, what led to the flooding on Monday night. Now, we are aware that the flood relief did work and we discussed that yesterday because the town of Bandon, first of all, would have been under a lot more water if the flood relief scheme wasn't in place. So we know it did work, but what caused this particular section of the town to flood? And again, you had businesses which kept flooding over the years, flooding again, and they are just at their wits end and something and telling us yesterday on air that they could never uh, have anticipated this happening again because they were told they can stay in their beds, you won't have to worry about flooding. And now they're saying if this happens once more, they won't reopen. Uh, so we'll hear from how that emergency meeting went. We're also going to hear a reaction from Bantry because yesterday we had calls from Bantry from people saying this was happening in 1986. This was spoken about and yet nothing has been done with regards to flooding in Bantry. Uh, our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran, she spent 
yesterday afternoon in the town of Bantry. She spoke uh, with a number of businesses that were affected by the flooding and we'll hear from that particular, uh, from the businesses and that report from Fiona on the show this morning as well. And just go back to Phil Hogan for a minute because while this morning and yesterday Following that interview on Taoiseach, he still is basically disagreeing with Phil Hogan and the government in general have launched an, an extraordinary attack on Phil Hogan over his clear breaches of the coronavirus restrictions. And we have both Leo Varadkar, the Taunashta, the Taoiseach, Michal Martin and the Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, all out saying that the public anger, first of all, uh, that has led uh, to this particular interview yesterday evening uh, was right. But they do disagree with what Phil Hogan has said and they say obviously the future of Ireland's EU Commissioner hangs in the balance and will hang in the balance with the European Commission not Ireland but they still are angry at the fact that he delayed and he was hesitant about giving information when he was asked here in Ireland but it is up to the EU so they have come out and they have all three of them said that he has broken the rules of the country and despite what Phil Hogan is saying they have come out saying yes he did break the rules they're not happy but on that farming groups then They've come out over the last few days and we're going to speak with one of those farming groups this morning, the ICSA, because they feel that Commissioner Hogan needs to stay in Europe to deal with the trade negotiations with Brexit. So what's your view on that? One sector of society saying he should go, uh, but it is up to the EU Commission to decide his future. But they're saying he should go. But then farming groups here say, no, we need him at the table so that Ireland gets the best option and gets the best output from these particular trade negotiations all over Brexit. Your view on that? I mean, does it make a difference who is at the table? Will he have that much of an influence because he is, at the end of the day, uh, working for the EU, not for Ireland? So whatever the outcome, even though it would be good to have someone at the table from Ireland, he's supposed to be negotiating on, on behalf of the whole of the European Union, but farming groups say no, we need him there for Ireland to get the best output. So your views on that are welcome. We'll speak with them later in the programme and I'm sure you'll agree it's been a very busy year along our coastlines and a very busy year for the RNLI. Well, we're going to speak to them this morning because while they are extra busy as more people stay Kate this year, we have a situation whereby their fundraising efforts have changed and they can no longer go out and about and do the usual fundraising they used to do due to the COVID-19 restrictions. So they've changed things around this year with regards to fundraising and we'll speak to them on how their fundraising aspect uh, has changed this year and what indeed they are doing to keep the RNLI going and obviously to make sure the great work of the RNLI continues on right across our coastline. We'll speak with them later in the show. And of course, Peter Dodal is along as usually he is on a Wednesday answering all your gardening questions. If you have a particular question for Peter, get that into us across the morning on 1850 333103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 086 You can email as well jp at c103.com i.e. So that and more to come between now and one and as always your calls and comments are welcome uh, particularly your view with regarding Phil Hogan and that interview yesterday we'll play uh, a clip from that interview shortly uh, but just to give you some of the reaction we are getting in already to the show about this uh, people uh, so far in agreement anyhow on what they all thought of the interview last night uh, first of all Michael in Castletown Bear says at this stage Ireland needs to forget about Phil Hogan he is Ursula's baby it's her call and 
she is well able for the job as is Hogan. Now, Michael says, I was a bit taken back last night to hear Mac Mac Sherry coming out supporting Phil Hogan. Could he be our next Minister for Agriculture? Watch this space, says Michael in Castletambert. Interesting pick up there, Michael. We'll wait and see what happens uh, because the majority of people aren't supporting him. You can see that from uh, the three party leaders in government. Uh, but Mark McSherry had a different view. So Michael asking, could he uh, be our next Minister for Agriculture? We'll have to wait and see. Also, Johnny is in Rock Chapel. Johnny says his son was caught on his phone coming out of Tralee and he got fined €150 Euros and got three penalty points. Now, his daughter had to cancel her wedding this year. And that man then can come over from Brussels and travel the length and breadth of Ireland and disregard the laws and advice from the government. He does not not give a damn about the ordinary people in this country. His pension should be taken off him and he should be prosecuted. While another texter here is saying the country is in chaos and the politicians are on holidays. I don't feel safe or confident. If big Phil Hogan can't understand the virus rules that we all live by then he surely doesn't think he is or surely he must think at this stage he is above us all uh, the way he is carrying on says that particular texter. And yeah I mean I know he mentioned the uh, citizens information website on that particular interview but it's like anything I mean if you want to read between the lines uh, of what you think is the law not the law you will check certain websites and, and get around that but that particular website is for those of us who reside in the state whether you're Irish or not, if you're coming in from another country, you will have to check out uh, the appropriate measures for those who are coming in to Ireland, regardless if you were Irish or not. If you're out of the country, not living in Ireland, if you're coming in, you'll have to check, for example, the Department of Foreign Affairs. And we all would do that if we were in another country. You would not read the guidelines for somebody living in the state. You would always check, well, what is it? what does it mean for me coming into the country? And he should have done the same, but he kept quoting uh, the Citizens Information website website which the information on that wasn't in relation to his particular situation but that's what he kept quoting and as you say there on text a worry and it is a worry to think the politicians are thinking this way anyhow your views are welcome 1850 C103 good morning to you 1850 lines open uh, good evening or good morning even to Morris who's on text uh, who's saying instead of talking about Phil Hogan he said could we get the council workers to clean up the roads and clean up the dikes before any more Heavy rain comes, says Morris. Well, we did mention that yesterday with the senior engineer on that. And also we're discussing that shortly on the programme, Morris. But for those of you who are on the roads, I'm sure you would have noticed uh, the council crews were yesterday. And I'm sure this morning out and about uh, on roads, cleaning them. And I'm sure they'll get around to as many roads as they can. Uh, But we will put that, Morris, uh, to uh, the council this morning on what their timeline is on cleaning roads and dikes as more heavy rain is expected over the next 24 hours or so especially overnight here in Cork but we do want to return back to Phil Hogan because a lot of calls have come in and text this morning on that particular issue Uh, the fact that uh, the interview he gave last night to RTE people aren't in agreement with what he is saying and felt he was very arrogant well on that here is just some of what he said last night when he spoke to uh, Tony Connolly of RTE So I checked with the organisers to know where they complained with the COVID-19 regulations and I received all the assurances that I needed and I was even reassured when I heard that a government minister was going to be in attendance and was speaking at the event. So I didn't expect that there was going to be any difficulty with complaints of the COVID-19 regulations according. But of course, in hindsight, I was wrong and I made a mistake. I shouldn't have gone. When I think of all the people that actually have cancelled weddings and events at these hotels, but also people that have lost loved ones in relation to COVID-19, 
a gathering of a, of a, a number like that in any particular venue at the moment is wrong and I made a mistake and I apologise. I knew that I wasn't a risk to anybody because it was COVID-19 free. But nevertheless, by gathering in such numbers, we should not have been gathering in those numbers at all. And uh, the perception of this event was all wrong. And I apologise for that and I'm very embarrassed about it. Well, I was obliged to have a, a medical intervention and it could only be done in a hospital. And when I was there over a couple of days, uh, I did all of the necessary treatments that were required and I was tested for COVID-19 and I was tested free of COVID-19. And this meant that I was no longer required to be in self-isolation or quarantine. I, but I, I didn't take that for granted. I looked at the Consumer Information website, which is read by hundreds of thousands of people in Ireland, which is funded by the HSE, which is the Citizens Information website. And it's clear on that website, clearly stated, that if you test negative for COVID-19, you'll get your you'll get your result by a text message and you will no longer be required to self-isolate. But that's in it's the context, very clear. But that's in the context of oh. having, having uh, self-isolated due to symptoms. It's an entirely different requirement when you're coming in from outside the country. And RT News has checked with the health line today uh, on that point. And they say, even if you're COVID uh, negative, even if you've done the test, you're still subject to the 14-day restricted movements regime. Well, I think that people in Ireland, I believe, are very reasonable people. These are the rules. I was obliged to have restricted movements in the first few days, which I did. I then unexpectedly had to go to hospital for a medical intervention. My doctors tested me for COVID-19 and I was COVID-free. And I was no risk to anybody, so I was free to go, according to my medical people. Not according to the and Department of Foreign Affairs? Yes, but no, hold on, hold on. And I, I didn't accept their word fully for that. I, I observed a website, which is the Citizens Information website, which is clear for anybody to see that I could go anywhere I wished without being isolated because of the fact that I had a negative test in relation to COVID-19. And again, as we stated earlier, he read that particular website wrong. Uh, and then following that interview, Phil Hogan did tweet, he says, uh, that was obviously him speaking to uh, Tony Connolly of RTE. He did tweet following that interview and he said, just to clarify, I never said that I don't accept the HSE advice. I was taking issue at the proposition put to me in the interview. At all times, I acted in good faith on the basis of the information available to me. And on that, just to clarify everything up, uh, the Department of Health has said HSE guidance states that when someone is restricting their movements because they are a close contact of a confirmed case or because they have travelled into Ireland from a non-green list country, they must do so for 14 days. The guidance does not state that a negative COVID-19 test shortens the 14-day restricted movement requirement. That's from the Department of Health with the HSC guidance that they have as well on their side. So your views are welcome on that. A lot of people asking regarding uh, the penalty points that he should have got when he was caught on his phone. Mavis in Clonakilty saying, what is the situation with him not getting a fine and three penalty points for driving using a mobile phone? If it was anybody else, it would be a different matter. Surely the Garda should be held responsible for not enforcing the law. He needs to go. The offences occurred in Ireland, not in Brussels says Mavis in Clonakilty and Pat and Mallow says what a world in which we live why do we put these people in charge and an email that came in before that particular interview during the week uh, from Margaret to JP at c103.ie and she's just going back on everything that has happened over the weekend she says what a weekend of disclosures and what a small world we live in it is a disgrace in a country where we are supposedly 
all in this together. Derek Cleary was very upset when he didn't get a seat around the dull table. He let his feelings be known in the media and was very ferocious in his disappointment. Well, lo and behold, he got his chance and what does he do? He throws everything back in his leader's face and in his constituents' face. 80 supposedly educated people decided to flout all guidelines for that shindig in Galway. What did we learn over the weekend? We learned that politicians cannot be trusted. We learned that a judge cannot be trusted to use his judgment. We learned that Phil Hogan has a home in Kilkenny, a luxury pad in Kildare and a place in Brussels. Remember P. Flynn on The Late Late Show, says Margaret. We also learned that he can lie through his teeth. He said he travelled from Galway, from Kilkenny. He didn't. He stopped off in Kildare to collect documents for work. Was that work to be conducted, conducted on the golf course? He broke all guidelines by travelling from Kildare to Galway as it was not essential. These old boy syndicates must stop. Too much influence is exerted through these organisations. Did the government know that the event was taking place? Did Fianna Fáil not sponsor a piece of crystal worth 80 euros as a prize? What did they think this was for? Anyone who attended that golf shindig has no right to ask us to accept an apology from them. They gave up that right when they sat around the tables and blatantly laughed at us all, says Margaret. An email to jp at c103.ie. More calls and comments on that on the way. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now, I will touch on the flooding that took place yesterday in Bantry and Bandon very shortly. Uh, Deputy for Cork South West, Fianna Fáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan joins me on that. Good morning to you, Christopher. Hey, John Paul, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, just before we touch on the flooding, obviously a lot of calls coming into us regarding what Phil Hogan said yesterday in that interview to RTE. Your party leader uh, still insists that he did break the health rules. Uh, as a, a, a part of the government and a local deputy here in Cork, are you upset and are you disappointed that somebody who is part of political life here in Ireland, now in Europe, could look at the rules and feel that he can break them and take up a, a, a different aspect of those rules and feel that it was okay to travel around the country? Uh, upset is an understatement, uh, I would say. Um, yeah, I'm disgusted, really, with the behaviour. And I think what's been missed here is that, yeah, we're, we're obviously um, getting into a lot of debate now about his movements around the country, which I feel uh, clearly are a breach of public health guidelines. But it still remains the fact that he also attended an event where 81 people were in attendance, and that was an absolute clear breach um, of, of uh, public health guidelines, and I appreciate he's apologised for that. But I'll just give you an example of the public sentiment um, out there, John Paul. Yesterday, and I know we'll be talking about the flooding in Bandon and Bantry in a minute, but yesterday I visited a pub owner in Bantry, and he was, uh, you know, considering what he'd just been through, he was in great spirits. He really was, and he was trying to stay positive. Uh, but one thing he put to me, and it was incredibly hard to defend, or uh, and it was incredibly hard for me to hear as a, as a government TD, is that uh, while he has, as a publican, made huge sacrifices, closed his pub, kept it closed in the interest of public health guidelines, um, he's on roughly around €200 Euro a week um, because of uh, the fact that his premises is closed. And he's had to watch all this happen and make these sacrifices, and yet... He has to stand by then and watch this um, Golf Society event happen and watch Phil Hogan, um, you know, try to defend his actions in some way, shape or form. Uh, and that was incredibly tough for me to listen to. And I had no comeback for that. There's no way I could defend 
um, uh, any of uh, those who attended this uh, event are indeed, uh, least of all, Phil Hogan, who still um, seems to be intent on uh, justifying his movements around the country um, prior to the event. So that kind of sums up the public sentiment there. That's It's absolutely not good enough, and it totally feeds in um, to this uh, attitude out there, which is in some ways justified now when we see these type of behaviours, that it's one rule, uh, for public reps and another rule for everybody else and it's not good enough and it's a uh, I think that that speaking to that gentleman yesterday in Bantry just really hit it home for me um, I think he needs to consider his position I, I think that's quite clear And when we have farming groups and some others who feel that we do need an Irish voice at that particular table for the negotiations for trade when it comes to Brexit uh, you, you disagree with that? You think he should go? I, I, I agree that we need an Irish voice but I don't agree that it necessarily has to be someone who um, has no uh, problem um, flouting the, the the rules, you know. Um, I don't see why we can't have an Irish commissioner in there, but I don't see why, I, I don't accept that it has to be a Phil Hogan. And I think clearly, as you see from your own messages that you're getting in today, um, John Paul, the public confidence uh, is gone and that's really undermining um, it, it's, it's, it's undermining how we operate as a government here. Ultimately, the decision, of course, is up to us, Ursula von der Leyen, the um, Commission President, uh, but you know I don't accept that. You know if if we want a strong voice at the table at the Commission, and particularly in relation to agriculture, I don't think it needs to be someone who 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 has no issue uh, flouting the rules. Um, I think that there can be another candidate. We can uh, replace him, and we can have another strong voice. It doesn't necessarily have to be Phil. And I think you know as I said, it it his position now is very much undermined and weakened. And if we replace him though, it isn't really up to Ireland. He could be replaced with someone from somewhere else in the European Union. It doesn't mean that it could be an Irish person at that particular table. Yeah, that's my that's my understanding of the process. But I think, you know, we've we've taken enough sacrifices, we've made enough sacrifices in relation to Brexit, in relation to Brexit negotiations. And I feel uh, that between the Taoiseach, uh, the Tánaiste uh, and Eamon Ryan, um, that we would uh, make a strong case for a replacement with an Irish commissioner. Now, that's not guaranteed, and I'm sure farming groups will make that case. But in the end of the day, um, I, I, I don't think it's it's a fair argument. This um, uh, particular individual has clearly um, is flouting the rules, and I don't think it's good enough, and I think it undermines and weakens his position, and I think it undermines and weakens our position um, at the Commission as well. And uh, you mentioned and he, um, there, by the way, all those that were at that particular dinner in Galway, uh, the likes of uh, Dara Cleary, of course, he has resigned uh, from his post as Agricultural Minister, uh, but still remains a TD. And there's others there who still remain within Leinster House or indeed within the Shannon. They may have resigned from their post, but they still remain in public life. Should they totally leave, do you think now, uh, and resign as a TD or as a Senator? Uh, no, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, to be straight up with you, John Paul, I think he's uh, Dara has quite rightly uh, taken the right decision to resign in a position from cabinet, uh, a position that I know that he was looking forward to. But that's beside the point. He he was there. He attended the event. He would have been able to assess the numbers, and he should have realised already what he was doing was in breach of of uh, public um, uh, the public advice and public uh, and the regulations that were there. Um, in terms of going a step further and resigning as a TD. Um, I wouldn't um, be saying that at the moment, uh, that, that's for sure, uh, but that's entirely up to uh, Mr Cleary. Uh, and, uh, you know, as far as I know, I don't think Taoiseach has asked um, any of the TDs or senators to uh, consider their positions in terms of uh, holding their Iraq uh, seats. But, um, you know, I know that he has resigned his position as Minister for Agriculture, and that was certainly 
the right thing to do, considering the public anger and the public outrage out there. OK, well, we will await what happens. I mean, it is up to the European Commission and they are looking into that and we could have an answer today or tomorrow, but we'll see what happens across the course of today, first of all. Uh, Christopher, on the flooding yesterday in Bantry, uh, you tweeted that the TII Irish Water, the OPW and Cork County Council, that they all need to be dragged into a room and instructed to design a scheme that will save businesses in Bantry. Uh, the cause we got yesterday was that a similar flood happened in 1986. People knew that they this was a problem, but nothing has been done since the 80s. Yeah, and um, that was the general uh, feeling when we uh, when I called around to premises yesterday, both residents and businesses, uh, for some of them. Um, it was their fifth time in about 30 years uh, that had been flooded, and that's not good enough. And particularly when, in Bantry, when they see flood schemes being rolled out and near completion in Bandon and in Clonakilty and in Skibbereen, um, you can very much understand then why they feel and ask the question, why have we been put on the long finger in terms of a new culvert system for the town, which has been called for, for, for quite a, a while. So um, Mr. Patrick O'Donovan is uh, arriving today in Bantry um, to see firsthand, which I think is important. You know, um, um, I, I don't accept this uh, attitude that it's all for show and for a photo op. I think it's important that Mr. Patrick O'Donovan and Minister um, Michael McGrath um, see firsthand the devastation that has been caused, because in the end of the day, they will be the ones who will be uh, making funding available for any scheme. But what needs to happen now um, is that you have several bodies who um, will feed into this scheme. You have uh, TII because it's on the N71. You have the OPW because obviously it deals with flood prevention. Um, you have Irish Water because there will be systems of, of uh, sewage and main pipes that will feed into any new covered system. And then, of course, you have the local authority who will be the lead agent in this. So they need to be... There was... Um, I believe, approval given for funding from the OPW back in 2018, uh, two years ago, um, for uh, a a new culvert scheme. Uh, Yes, we don't seem to be any closer or any uh, nearer to having that system in place. So what I'll be asking is that no more dilly-dally, no more uh, um, twiddling fingers. Um, I'll be asking Michael McGraw when he comes down on Thursday to uh, drag the um, lead agents into a room, that's Irish Water, TII, Cork County Council and the OPW and say, guys, we need a scheme uh, and we need a scheme straight away so that the businesses in Bantry and the premises in Bantry do not have to uh, live in fear of flooding and do not have to put in put up with what we've, what we've seen yesterday. Yeah, it's the fear is the big thing and we will be hearing from those businesses hit shortly on the programme or across the, the course of the show anyhow because our reporter Fiona Corcoran spent the afternoon in Bantry yesterday so we'll hear from those affected but uh, when you mention that something needs to be done because it wasn't done over the last two or three years how soon, if money is approved let's say tomorrow uh, for what the ministers have seen this afternoon how soon can work start or could we be looking at two or three years before work could commence and we could have another number of storms in that timeline. Yeah, and speaking to council staff yesterday who um, you know, were, were on the ground yesterday and investigating what had happened and trying to, to get to the root of the problem. And I want to pay particular um, I suppose uh, compliments to uh, Ruth O'Brien, the area engineer down in Bantry who I know has a, has a real love and passion for Bantry Town and I know she was devastated to see what happened yesterday but we did speak to to, NG, uh, to council staff and they, they were putting the date of somewhere in the region of 2022 if we began the process now. But I think we need to take every step and every, um, I suppose, angle to circumvent that type of time uh, frame because that needs to happen now. I know tendering processes can be quite lengthy and they have to be done right and they have to be transparent, etc. Um, 
but you know the 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 the, the direction needs to be given now from government from the likes of Patrick O'Donovan, Minister of Responsibility for OPW, or uh, Michael McGrath, who will be visiting on Thursday, Minister of Public Expenditure, the instruction needs to be given, let's start this process now, so that the sooner we start, uh, the sooner that we can have a, a, a decent public prevention, uh, a flood prevention scheme in place. OK, uh, well, we'll wait and see what happens over the next few days on that. For the moment, Christopher, I have to leave it there. Thanks for joining us this morning and for making contact. That is uh, Cork South West Fianna Fáil Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan on the flooding in Bantry yesterday. There was an emergency meeting held in Bandon as councillors demanded uh, to meet the local area engineers on what happened in Bandon. We'll hear how that meeting went. Also, we've a lot of calls and texts coming in over the last few days from parents who were concerned about their children heading back to school. A number of uh, children did go back to school uh, yesterday in some areas of Cork just for a, a few hours to settle in. Uh, we we'll just have a few comments in from parents to relieve others who were worried but also uh, from SNAs who are worried about going back into the classroom. So I will get to those particular comments on the concern parents have as well on returning to school uh, across the show but we are going to go back to the flooding issue next. Cork today on C103. With your comment. 1850-333-103. A lot of anger yesterday in Bandon, especially following flooding in the town and shops affected by the flood. A lot of businesses were told that they would never have to worry again. Now, while the flood relief scheme did work, there was still flooding in some sectors and some areas of the town. We heard from Bantry, and we'll hear more from Bantry later in the programme. While both towns are open for business today, there was an emergency meeting called yesterday of the Bandon and Kinsale District area and Councillor Sean O'Donovan joins me on that as he called for that particular meeting. Good morning to you Sean. Good morning John Paul. Now we are aware that the flood relief scheme did work uh, but the, the problem here was the level of rainfall and the council issued a statement yesterday evening regarding the band and, and the indications they say is that the drainage and sewerage network was overwhelmed by the volume of rainfall yesterday evening. Uh, you though are looking for answers because you said this cannot happen again and you don't want businesses to be worried the next time we have a heavy rainfall that uh, the drains are whatever cannot cope with the intense rain. That's right, John Paul. Band um, has been shown off over the years and uh, the flood relief scheme did work. There was plenty of room in the Bandon River. Um, I think it was the Bridewell River coming into it was, was the issue. Uh, the drainage on Hickey's Corner and Brady's Lane and Bandon just couldn't take the volume of water that fell. Um, the drainage scheme that's ongoing at the moment is... Um, kind of in that area, it's on St. Finbar's Place, it's heading to Pier Street next, and it's going to connect up with the the new sewers there. So that is the low-lying area in Bandon. So when this is connected in, we're being given guarantees, basically, that this, what happened, um, won't happen again when the new scheme is in place, and that should be in place by the end of the year. And are they saying because of those works that are taking place that this was the reason that the, the the two works are basically working side by side and the level of rainfall, even though it was forecasted, maybe wasn't expected and the, the systems couldn't cope? Is that what, what they're saying? Well, I suppose like the drains are old um, and traditionally always been flooding at, at Hickey's and at Brady's Lane. There's the two lowest points in, in the town. Um, so the new, the new system should... Um, stop the flooding in the future as I said it's meant to be finished by the end of the year but what was a little bit different this time was um, at Brady's Lane normally it came up the drains on the street but now 
this time it was coming out of the backyards of of um, Brady's Lane pub onto the street. So we're just trying to investigate what was happening there. It's different to what was happening before. And at that point, there's also a pump in the an underground pump in the car park at Brady's Lane, and we're not sure if that kicked in. We're I've been told it did kick in last week when we had the, the very heavy rain on Wednesday night. And it didn't kick in this week, so I've called for an investigation into that as well to know if it did kick in last week and if it didn't this week. And we need to sort out what the problem is there if it didn't yeah. kick in. We need to know why they didn't kick in last night or the night before and why they did work previously. Stay there, Sean, because your colleague, Councillor Alan Coleman, joins me on the line as well. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, John Paul. And I'm sure you're happy to think that the flood relief works, they did work overall in the town, but this section is the worry, and I suppose we heard from business people on the worries they had. Uh, I'm sure you agree there with Sean that questions need to be uh, answered uh, and, and you need to know more on why the underground system did not work on Monday night. Uh, yes, uh, it is good that the, the relief scheme worked in the river itself, and I, I think it's very helpful too that, that uh, my colleague, Councillor Sean O'Donovan organised a, a meeting of the municipal district yesterday so that we got some information because we'll be meeting Minister O'Donovan later today and I think it's, it's good that we've been briefed yesterday at that meeting. Um, obviously the sewage scheme is not finished and, and the sewage scheme, is, as, as we were informed yesterday, takes about 80-90% of the stormwater. And I suppose what we need is a review of this last leg of the sewage scheme to make sure that it picks up all of the problems that, that, that were identified in, in the flood um, two nights ago. Maybe it's a good thing that it happened now before all these contracts was, uh, uh, leave town, you know. Uh, because as Sean said, some of the, 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 um, the water was actually coming up shores and it came up in places that it maybe hadn't come up in the past. So what we need is to, to review the final scheme, the final phase of the scheme, to make sure that all of these problems that we've identified over the last two days, that, that, that these will be solved. And if necessary, if the new sewer scheme is not capable of taking a flash flood like we had two days ago, that maybe we should have an alternative exit as well onto the river. In fairness, the Bendon River, like there was loads of capacity. There'd be no problem if there was more more stormwater into that Bendon River. So that's what we'd be looking for from Minister Dunham this evening, that to make sure that you know, when all this work that's been done over the next number of months has been done, that it picks up all of the problems that were identified over the last two days and that, you know, we get, ult- we get a- an ultimate solution to flooding so that businesses can be reassured that he- not just in the event of, a- of the river rising, but in the event of flash flooding, which seems to be more frequent nowadays, that the, the new system that's been put in place in Bandon will be capable of taking those flash floods. Yeah, that it won't happen again, what we saw happening, that, that will be guaranteed, uh, as you said before, everybody leaves the works, that they'll be guaranteeing that this cannot happen again. And I'm sure, Sean, you'd agree with Alan on that, that this point needs to be made this afternoon when you meet the Minister. Oh, absolutely. Um, I agree 100%. Um, I suppose also, like, standing on the street on Monday night until 3 o'clock in the morning, we can see the shores are blocked and weren't taking the water and ones that were taking the water. But we're also asking people, businesses and, and residents, if like what's happening behind in their backyard and stuff, if they could even just um, email us and let us know so we have a full picture of what we couldn't see from the streets on Monday night. Yeah, and we're all very aware that the even though the flooding has happened over the years and was because of the river, also flooding comes up via the drains. It has been often seen coming up via floorboards and everything. Uh, and something similar of that did happen on a particular night on Monday. Uh, just on businesses you mentioned there, is that something that you're going to address and going to 
show the minister or is he going to meet some of the businesses I wonder this afternoon just have a listen here first to a very brief clip from our show yesterday when we spoke with Con Linehan from Linehan's Menswear on South Main Street in Bandon this just shows the reality of how people and businesses are suffering here's Con In my time now I'm here 26 years right and in my time it's flooded four times and in the past week two times the stock you had there was that damaged last night? The stock, no, none of our stock was no. damaged. There was nothing like that at all, but it's just the crap. Is well, I lifted everything up and maybe one foot. It must be very hard for you, Con. I was crying up there. but like, it is hard. It's very hard. If this was to happen again in the next few weeks, what is that? I don't mean know if I'd get any help, I won't be able to stay open. You feel you we could close? I could close, yeah, because I, couldn't, I can't retain it anymore. I'm doing the level best I can to keep this place open. And I get many help from anybody around there. I mean, we have Project Act guys uh, for both you and, and Alan uh, out there at the moment from the council. And uh, Alan, to think that a business could close because of flooding, if they flooded again, I mean, this is why it needs to be dealt with ASAP. Absolutely. These businesses have come so far. They've suffered so much, particularly since 2009. And to find now at the final hurdle that you people like Khan and other businesses there that are just in a desperate state. I mean, there's nothing we as politicians could say that could, could add up to what, what Khan has said there. Like, he's just summed it up. Like, these businesses need assurance. They need to ensure that when the minister comes to us this evening, <clears throat> that we will have that review. We'll ensure that this can be re- it can be resolved and the opportunity is there over the next six months to do it. We won't have another chance. We won't get another crack at solving the, the problem of that and in flooding. And this is the opportunity. And if we don't grasp it, businesses like Cons just won't survive. And Sean, you'd agree. I mean, you're a businessman. You know how hard it is these days for businesses. Uh, the businesses in Bandon and other towns like Bantry have suffered enough, but particularly in Bandon because of the works, they've had a lot of disruption. Uh, something you need to make that point to the minister today. And the minister should know. I mean, Patrick O'Donovan, he's a brother who has a business in the town, so he'll be well aware of the issues facing them. Um, he will indeed. Um, I was, excuse me. I was abandoned myself during the flooding in '09, when I had about five feet of water in in my premises. So I know exactly what what's going on with the traders. But like I suppose, as well as the material damage and their floors being damaged and their skirting boards and architrave, there's the mental stress, which I think is a huge part of it. You know, and especially like there's a um, people living over the shops and living on the street as well who were flooded on Monday night and. It's their home. They can't close the door and go home from it. Like they're they're stuck with it twenty four hours a day. So it's a huge mental effect on them as well. You know, so the stress is just unbelievable. And, and I just really hope this will be sorted. You know. Okay. Well, we'll uh, hear hopefully and see what the minister does and what he says later today when he visits both Bantry, Bantry even and Bandon. Uh, for the moment, uh, thank you for joining us. That is Councillor Sean Donovan and Councillor Alan Coleman. Of course, uh, Sean Donovan raising and uh, issuing that emergency meeting yesterday afternoon. Uh, that led to uh, some answers anyway on what happened on Monday night in Bandon. Your views are welcome. 1850 We will be hearing from businesses in Bantry later in the show who were affected and were cleaning up yesterday afternoon following flooding in Bantry. Also, we have a lot of comments, of course, coming in on Phil Hogan and that interview he gave yesterday evening uh, to RTE and uh, people have mixed views on Phil Hogan and what happened over the last number of days uh, following on from Galway and also concern from parents who are returning well not them returning but their children are returning to school and their concerns over the next 
few days. There's that and more to come. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Good morning, 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls today. Or indeed, you can always text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Now, a lot of calls and comments in this morning. First of all, on the interview that Phil Hogan gave yesterday. Uh, people angry, people upset. People don't feel that he, what he did obviously was wrong, but that he's not showing uh, the one for all that is in the country when it comes to dealing with COVID-19. A lot of anger this morning on phone and text on that. Let's get to some of your calls and comments regarding that issue. Also, I've comments in on uh, children going back to school, concerns there from parents and indeed those working in schools and on the recent flooding as well in Bantry and in Bandon and other areas of Cork. I'll get to those shortly as well. But first to uh, Phil Hogan and reaction uh, from our discussion earlier in the show on his interview yesterday on RTE. First of all, Anne says, I was going to Norway for my granddaughter's confirmation in June and I could not go because of the lockdown. And then it was put back until October. And now I can't go because on Norway, Ireland, we are on Norway's red flag. And to hear about all these government officials attending a golfing party in Galway, it's a pure sham. Here we are, the ordinary people, and we're obeying the rules and then missing out on important family occasions, says Anne Truepoint. Uh, Anne, on WhatsApp to 86 And John is in Clonakilty. He says, if Phil Hogan doesn't resign, the COVID restrictions he feels are over in this country. And I think the government know this one in, all in, says John in Clonakilty. While Donny in Newmarket says, uh, Leo, at the Tornish, Leo Vracker, did he get an invitation or did he probably did get an invitation uh, to the golf do in Galway but he did not go uh, but he should have advised all the others not to go either uh, says Donny in Newmarket and is the person who organised the golf dinner says this texter going to be held accountable what about the hotel will they be pulled up for breaking the rules i.e. 50 people indoors and Aline in Mitchellstown says one question that I would love to know is who paid the hotel and golf bill in Galway I said suppose it was the poor taxpayers again and how much was the overall bill asks Eileen in Mitchellstown and Christy is in Tipple Glanton and he says good morning JP in my opinion uh, that there is a great turmoil within Fianna Fáil at the moment and Micheál Martin had no choice but to ask Phil Hogan to consider his position as Derek Cleary has already resigned from his ministerial position on the matter and Barry Cowan had to do likewise for a far lesser discretion which in any case was dealt with four years ago and Christie feels he was badly treated. The reality is that Phil Hogan was an embarrassment to the government due to his mishandling of the water issue and they shifted him to Europe out of the way. Remember he previously breached cabinet confidentiality when he leaked some contents of a budget and had to resign his position on that occasion. I may be wrong but listening to his interview with Tony Connolly did he not much words to the effect that the Garda would not have pulled him over if he knew that he was stopping an EU commissioner or maybe a politician. Hopefully after today he will have plenty spare time to practice his omelette making skills says Christy Kelly in Temple Glanton on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Michael in Castletown Bear says without a shadow of a doubt the Taoiseach and President of Fianna Fáil Michal Martin got an invitation to that shindig so why didn't he stop it? It's a question we have asked politicians or especially at the start of the week on the show did an email go out to everybody on the Oireachtas mailing list 
everybody in Linster House because if anybody who's worked uh, for a company over the years or big companies uh, there's a kind of a social aspect to companies and either you sign up to it or you can get the email regardless whereby they'll send out an email saying the company is having a night out on this date here uh, obviously this was all pre-Covid uh, and everybody would get the email and then it was up to each individual if they wanted to go to that particular work night out. Then you'd have other sectors in the workplace whereby there'd be different social groups and you might not be involved in them but you might still get the email to go along uh, to play or get involved in, in a soccer group. They could be playing soccer. Uh, I know when I worked in insurance uh, a good few years ago at this stage uh, there was a tournament where I, I don't know, was, I think it was Dublin we used to go to uh, and, and play against different insurance companies in Dublin and an email would come around and regardless if you were going or you were not going you might go one year you might have no interest in going the next year you got the email so you knew it was taking place in a particular venue be that in where the offices were in Dublin or in Galway in this situation some politicians have said the uh, the email did come and they deleted the email others have said no the last time I got an email from uh, the, the main man in that particular uh, Arachtas Golf Committee Donny Cassidy was in 2019 so it doesn't seem everybody got the email but certainly an email did go around because some have told us they did get that particular email I'm sure any of you who have worked uh, probably in bigger companies who had that kind of social aspect going on in the workplace would be familiar with those emails. So certainly everybody knew it was going on, but why no one called a halt or why no one said, I don't think this should be happening given what is going on at the moment in the country is just mind-blowing. But anyhow, uh, they, they didn't. and No one no one said anything. They are saying it now, uh, but a bit too late to be uh, asking questions now uh, after this has happened and after this has come out uh, to the public. Maybe they thought it wouldn't get out to the public. I don't know. Uh, and of course was the work of the Irish Examiner who broke that particular story last week. Uh, still on this particular issue, a texter here is saying let us not forget this is the same man who threatened the Irish people that he'll follow us to our graves to get money from us. No man is irreplaceable, says that particular person on WhatsApp. And a regular listener here says, what an arrogant man. I hope he gets the boot. To the farmers I say he should be replaced. He has no respect for the farmers or the Irish people in general. Better off without him. Well done to Tony Connolly on that interview. Shame on you, Phil Hogan, says a regular listener. And an irate farming family have sent a WhatsApp and they say, as a member of the farming community, I'm appalled at the notion of keeping Phil Hogan in a job after everything. I hope the farming organisations involved in propping him up have done their homework. I won't be paying them to look after him and not us Irish. There is plenty of people who could do his job with much less arrogance. Please make sure all farming communities aren't blamed for keeping him in a job, says that Irish farming family. Just some of your calls and comments in relation to uh, Phil Hogan and that interview yesterday. More of those we'll get through during the course of the show on flooding. And we spoke and we heard there uh, from Bantry, from Bandon on what was happening. More reaction later in the show from Bantry. And we'll hear firsthand on how those business owners had to deal with the issue of flooding. But just on that and the reasons for flooding, a texter here is saying and is asking about the bridge in Banlin. It's blocked up with trees. And that's why there is always a big flood in that area of Banlin, because the trees are blocking up the bridge and then the water has to go somewhere. And 
causes a flood. While another texter here is saying, I think it should be left to every farmer to clean their own drains and trees and hedges as I think the council have too much to be doing and they can't get around to every single piece of road and land across the county. And another texter is saying similar that Cork is a very big county while people uh, keep texting you in saying uh, where are the council workers? Yesterday I drove from Mitchellstown uh, to Carrigaline and in all the various towns I was driving through I did see council workers clearing roads, clearing by roads, doing the best they could. For those who think uh, that the council workers should be everywhere it's not a real situation for them. And Margaret continues to say that at this stage I do think we need to look at the laws and enforce landowners and farmers to take control and look after their own drains and indeed land with regards to drainage. And Margaret says, yes, the majority of farmers are doing this anyhow, uh, but you could have a situation whereby some land is owned by people who were not living in the area and they're unaware uh, that their stretch of land is causing flooding in a roadway or indeed causing the road to fall into disrepair. Uh, so stop blaming the council workers. They're doing the best they can. I think at this stage, it's up to us as individuals when we get a bad weather system to take as much responsibility. After all, Cork is the biggest county and the council have openly admit it they don't have the staff for council crews to cover Cork County well yesterday thank you Margaret in Mitchellstown on text uh, to 0862103103 yesterday uh, the senior engineer we spoke to Aidan Weir from Cork County Council he felt that going back to that particular route of the man with the shovel wasn't the way to go uh, and that that wouldn't work all the time and that was their view on that uh, but Margaret thank you for your text and now on to something totally different this is to do with schools and a lot of parents have been in touch concerned with the fact that they have a children or a child in their home going back to school this week. Uh, first of all, something positive because there was some schools went back yesterday only for a few hours for, for trialling in various parts of the country and indeed in, in, in Cork. Uh, one call here and this is from Anya who says for those parents who were concerned like many of those I was petrified I was so nervous of my child going back because I'm looking after my elderly mother she does not live with us but I am calling to her every night and I'm cooking meals here at home and bringing the meals to her now she's well able to get up and around herself but she's being cautious because of COVID-19 so the fact that my child is going back to school I was worried he's 8 years old turning 9 shortly and he was excited at going back and looking forward to it while the rest of us were nervous we were nervous leaving him go into the school he came back out smiling in great form he was happy out while we were nervous so with regards to the children Anya is saying for parents out there maybe not be too worried because from her experience her child loved the day was happy out and all the various regulations that have been put into the school to protect them uh, somewhat anyhow for COVID-19 uh, it didn't seem to bother her child and he was happy out when he came home says Anya so that might be a relief for some of the parents I've heard texting you in earlier on this week. Thank you, Anya, for that text. Also, uh, another parent and others and we are going to speak they couldn't join us today on the show but they are going to join us tomorrow at the National Parents Council because parents are worried especially for those who have elderly parents living with them and also worried about their child going into the school situation and the issue if they have a sniffle if they don't have a sniffle uh, what do they do in a situation like that if they think their child might have a touch of a cold a lot of questions are being asked by parents and they're just concerned but this is a concerned parent who has texted us in yesterday evening and this person says I 
am listening all the time about the uh, children going back to school and the schools getting ready for reopening. The department is saying uh, that they will make sure there is an adequate number of teachers available. But we're hearing nothing about special needs assistance. Are they going to be taking on more or are they going to be stretched even further? Why can't the schools be allowed to take on more and let them help in other areas of the school? Says that particular texter. Well, regarding SNAs, we'll have to double check that view regarding teachers. I know there is a campaign on uh, from a lot of schools watching and looking at substitute teachers because they may need them if a teacher feels unwell or if teachers do for example feel they, they have a sore throat or something like that one of the symptoms that they will not be able to come to the school so obviously payor, principals and others are, are looking towards sub-teachers to fill in on days that this could be a situation but regarding SNAs themselves uh, we'll double check that for you but will they be taking on more I think everybody at this stage who is going back uh, to a workplace will have to take on more and I know there was questions last week on the show from people who felt that they should be getting paid more for doing extra in their workplace not necessarily in schools but this was private workplaces where they were taking on extra roles uh, Covid officers was one of them and they weren't getting paid and they felt they should but I think overall most companies and because of the financial situation across the country and it's been so uncertain due to Covid uh, most people are just lucky to have jobs considering so many people have lost their jobs or been cut uh, over the last number of months so with that in mind I can only think that yes people who are going back to work will have to uh, take on more responsibilities I mean for example here the majority of us have uh, taken on extra responsibilities be that uh, you know filling up the the hand wash in toilets or in public areas here in the building we're all doing that particular job every one of us is uh, I, like I did it yesterday uh, for the toilet downstairs and upstairs Bernie would do it Sadie would do it we'd update to make sure everything stock wise for sanitising uh, the, the different areas of the building uh, is in place so everybody is doing extra stuff and we, we just take take it for granted that we you know we are doing that and we have to because obviously a lot of the staff are still working from home here and also in other companies so I would presume it would be similar in the school uh, and yeah it is a concern because of the school network and, and the way a school is totally different than any other workplace but I would imagine that even though the SNAs you feel are stretched enough that they could be stretched further but that's not to say that more will be brought in if they can allow that in a place and I'm sure they'll do what they can to support SNAs in schools anyhow just some of your thoughts with regards to uh, parents worried about uh, their children going back to school we will have the National Parents Council Primary uh, joining us tomorrow on the show and we'll discuss that in more detail because I know a lot of people are back to school late this week and maybe tomorrow or Friday and again the majority I think are back next Monday but your views are welcome on that you can email jp at c103.ie c103 jobs on today's job spot we have opportunities which include a cook and kitchen manager wanted for meals on wheels in mallow with 16 hours per week applications to the chairman meals on wheels new road in mallow and the closing date is friday the 4th of september Caulfield Supervalue in the Riverview Shopping Centre in Bandon. They have positions to join their online pickers team. You can email bandonsman at caulfield.com. And a HGV driver is required in the new market area. You must have a full, clean HGV licence and up-to-date CPCs. Contact 87 547 for further details. And you'll get these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork 
today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now the ICSA president Edmund Phelan, he has said that it's absolutely Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The essential that Ireland keeps the trade portfolio in the European Commission because a bad Brexit outcome will devastate Ireland for generations. Well, on that, Eddie Punch is General Secretary of the ICSA and joins me. Good morning to you, Eddie. Good morning. And thanks for joining us this morning. I suppose, first of all, the majority of people understand why indeed Ireland needs to be in these negotiations and we do need to have a seat at the table so we get the best outcome. But do you understand the anger uh, from a farming group side of things, first of all, that is out there with regards to what has happened over the last 24 hours and the last number of days regarding our Commissioner Hogan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like everybody else, we, we wonder what were people thinking when they went to a, a, a dinner uh, after a golfing tournament in, in, in Galway. Uh, it, it is amazing that we have everything from former TDs who are actually general practitioners to commissioner to ministers. You know, it, it is, and, and, and of course, the former attorney general, it is stunning. Uh, it is a, a really bad hour of judgment on behalf of all of the 80 or so people that were there. Uh, but however, uh, anger is not really a policy, and we have to look at the fact right now that the Brexit negotiations are in a very, very precarious place, and the outcome of you know the way in which the UK and European Union does its business after Brexit will be absolutely vital to the interests of this country, not just for the next 12 months, but for the next generation. And in particular... The issue of the trading relationship between uh, the European Union and the United Kingdom is vital. And from an agriculture point of view, if we end up with tariffs imposed uh, on Irish exports to the UK, that would be absolutely devastating for Irish agriculture. 
And is this obviously is the reason why you want Phil Hogan to remain, even though he's a commissioner for Europe, you feel because he's Irish, he will be able to understand what we need here in Ireland. And if he's not at the table, you're, are you concerned in that with these various trade negotiations and tariffs you mentioned there, that we could be going backwards as a country when it comes to trading? any question of it. If we have tariffs imposed, like half of our beef exports, for example, go to the United Kingdom, and it's the best paying market we have for beef. Likewise, uh, dairy products such as cheddar are very, very dependent on tariff-free access to to the United Kingdom. So if we, if we lose those, or if in any way we don't get the right deal to, to accommodate continued tariff-free trade between Ireland and the UK, uh, you cannot over, you know, you cannot, you cannot get away from the fact that that is a really vital national interest for every rural community in Ireland. And I don't think this should really be about, you know, particular personalities. If, for example, the government could convince me that they had a strategy to put someone else in as commissioner and had a definite uh, commitment from the European Commission that that person would be, you know, if they were of sufficient experience and, and, and you know, heavyweight enough in European Union circles, that they would be guaranteed that they could retain the trade portfolio, that, that, that you know, that might be a result. But unfortunately, I don't see any indication that the government has really uh, any plan or any guarantee that it's going to retain the trade portfolio if for example, Phil Hogan, is forced out. And I think the danger here is that if Ursula von der Leyen is backed into a corner, and there are all sorts of implications for this in terms of how the Commission does business, if she's backed into a corner to make a decision that she doesn't really want to, uh, it's all the more likely, it seems to me, that she'll be not particularly well-minded to giving us, you know, back the job we had. And, and it is up to her to decide, you know, if we send out a new commissioner, what portfolio that person gets. It may not be trade. And that, in, in the absence of, you know, guarantees from the government that they've thought this through and that they've got all of the guarantees, makes me very worried because, you know... If we get Brexit wrong, this isn't, you know, like there might be a, hopefully a cure for COVID in, in the next year or a vaccine, but there's no cure for a Brexit for Brexit going wrong. And that's going to impact us for the next generation. And look, I, I'm as angry with Phil Hogan as everybody else, but I don't want to cut off my nose either. And, you know, that's that's what I'm, I'm afraid of here. And if he does go and we get an, a, a new person in his place, that person, as we know, doesn't have to be Irish. They could be from anywhere. They could be, for example, from a listener yesterday said from an Eastern European country with a different mindset on how Ireland, on what Ireland needs compared to what somebody else would think or what Phil Hogan would think. But surely overall, is it up then to groups like yourselves and up to our MEPs in Europe to approach that new commissioner and show him and tell him what exactly does need to happen to to ensure that Ireland is successful in agriculture and can have a good, strong economy in the future. I mean, do we really need an Irish person at the table? We have a number of MEPs in Europe. Can they not fight the cause on our behalf and you uh, input to them the cause that needs to be made? Uh, it's not really that simple. Like, So, I mean, we would have a very long-standing uh, relationship with all of the members of the cabinet of, of Phil Hogan, many of whom are actually uh, from Ireland. 
So there's a whole team. It's not just about Phil Hogan. There's a whole team working there who intimately understand how important uh, the Brexit outcome is. If you get a new commissioner with a new cabinet uh, from, let's say, an East European country, many of whom will probably then be from East Europe, you simply don't have the time to build the relationships there and to explain. I mean, this, this isn't something that can be done, you know, in 12 or 18 months' time. The time is now. And it would be very naive to think that someone coming from, let's say, for example, Romania or Bulgaria would have the same innate understanding of how important Brexit is for Ireland. Ireland is an exporting country more so than than a lot of the other European member states. And its relationships in exporting are with the United Kingdom more so than many of the other European member states. So, of course, uh, you know, whoever is there will be trying to influence them. But, you know, the few MEPs, the MEPs are, are removed, uh, you know, somewhat from, they're not as close to the centre of this as the Commissioner for Trade is. And I think it's just taking a huge gamble with our vital national interests. And look, I mean, anger, as I say, is not a policy. Uh, we can't have a scenario where, you know, in response to Understandable anger, obviously. Uh, the government takes rash decisions and then Ursula von der Leyen is backed into a corner to take a decision she doesn't want to have to do. Because let's face it, it's not a good look for the Commission to be continuously chopping and changing commissioners every time there's a political storm in a member state. There are 27 member states and some of these political storms are not even um, something as as you know, black and white, if you like, as, as going to a, a dinner. Uh, there can be all sorts of politics involved. So as a general principle, the EU Commission should not bend to, uh, you know, a change of government, for example, in a member state where they don't like the previous commissioner or where, you know, there, there, are, there are all sorts of political issues there. The Commission needs to keep its distance from member state governments. And, and as I say, I just I am just worried that if we get rid of Hogan and the government hasn't worked out whether the replacement will get the trade portfolio, we could be in a whole heap of trouble. And what would you say then, I mean, you're part of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. There's obviously other farming groups out there as well. This is a farming family who has sent us WhatsApp. They are appalled at what is happening, obviously enough. But they said they're also appalled at the notion of keeping Phil Hogan in a job. And they say they hope the farming organisations involved won't be propping him up. If they are, then I won't be paying my subs to them in the future. I hope the farming communities aren't going to be blamed for keeping Phil in a job. What would you say to farming families like that who are expressing their views this morning? Look, I can understand the anger of people. Um, You know, COVID is a really, really uh, emotional and sensitive topic for for people uh, because of all of the the sacrifices made by people throughout the last, uh, you know, throughout 2020. Um, And so, you know, absolutely I understand that. But, you know, it's not our job in ICSA to, you know, just take anger as a policy. Uh, Our job is to look forward, you know, 12 months, two years, three years. And unfortunately, I know uh, that if Brexit goes wrong, that will be devastating for Irish farm families. And, like, 
it would be so easy for us in ICSA to be populist and say, let's, you know, let's hang Phil Hogan, let's get his head on the plate. That, that, that's easily done. And, you know, it would be a much easier life for me to do that as well, actually, because you're right, there's lots of people who are angry with ICSA for saying this. But unfortunately, we have a responsibility to assess what is the impact of us losing the trade portfolio and what is the impact of the trade relationship with the United Kingdom going wrong. And, you know, we've already seen, like, beef prices are not where they should be. Uh, Dairying is also dependent on access to the UK market. If that goes wrong, uh, there'll be a lot of farm families really frustrated and really angry and two years from now, hopefully COVID will be in, you know, on, on the back burner at that stage. Uh, but I am not going to take the easy way out now. Uh, I just can't. I can't take the easy way out now and say, I'll do what's populist and say, yeah, let's get Phil Hogan's head on a plate, knowing as I do that if the Brexit deal goes wrong, farm families will be paying a massive price for that for the next 20 years. And you feel that farming may never recover in this country if we don't get the outcome that we should get? Yeah, because we export 50% of our beef to the United Kingdom. And it is the best market by far. Okay, We're now, We are now, for example, trying to sell beef to China. In place of the United, in place of the United Kingdom, right? Uh, I would like to think that China would pay more for beef than the United Kingdom would, but the evidence so far is very much that they don't pay more for beef than the United Kingdom. In fact, they pay less, and it's a lot more tricky to get those markets, you know, uh, going as, as as quickly as we'd like. Of course, we should try to get other markets in Europe as well, but the fact remains the United Kingdom is our nearest market. It's the best paying, uh, it's, it's, it's the best market we've got from, from the point of view of our common heritage, uh, same language, uh, and all of that. So, like, these things can't be thrown away. Like, and, and, and you know, short term. And it's not even gain. I mean, heads and plates are, are, are not gains. I mean, a head and a plate is just, I suppose, it's a response to the obvious anger that people feel out there. That's fine. But we've had two agriculture ministers gone as well in the last few months. And that's not helping. That's not helping uh, dealing with the issues that farmers need dealt with. We have a common agricultural policy reform to deal with as well. And we, we are now you know, still in a scenario where we don't know the minister for who, who the Minister for Agriculture will be. And, like, of course I get the anger that's out there, and I, I'm really disappointed that politicians are making mistakes. But if we keep going for heads and plates every time a politician makes a mistake, uh, it may satisfy people in the short term, but it's no good for getting solutions to problems. And we're in the business of trying to advocate for solutions to try and make things better for farmers. And like I say, I could be it's so easy to be populist and to, you know, it would be much easier for me and for ICSA to say, let's just, you know, let's get Hogan's head in a place. It'd be great fun, you see. But like what happens then? That's we we have responsibility as re- representatives of farmers to move beyond, you know, today's political um, controversy and look at what is the future for farming and and that 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 comes down to we have to get 
it would break the deal. And finally, as you do mention the future for farming, could this be a scenario maybe for all farming groups, including yourselves at the ICSA, that Phil Hogan stays for the remainder of these Brexit talks, however long they will go on for? And I'm not too sure what his term is as commissioner, but then once everything is over and Ireland is happy at this particular deal, that he would go then. Is that something that would please farming groups and yourselves? Anything that gets a solution to this would be better than, than you know, messing it up in a way that damages our vital national interest. So if, if that was a solution, absolutely, let's let's go for it. OK, um, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I know the EU, EU, EU Commission president is deciding at the moment his fate. Uh, we're told a decision is expected soon. How soon, I don't know, but we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, Eddie, for the moment, thank you for taking time out to talk to us this morning on that particular issue. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, That's Eddie Punch there, who's General Secretary of the ICSA, on their view on why uh, they want and why farming groups do think we need to keep Phil Hogan in uh, the role as EU Commissioner because of those Brexit negotiations. They feel if he goes now uh, into the future because of the trade deal with the UK and when we're discussing tariffs and all the exports we have here from Ireland, uh, that if things go wrong with those negotiations, Phil Hogan will have an Irish side he'll understand what Ireland needs that he will put that forward somebody else may not and them at the ICSA that is and other groups feel farming might never recover if we get this particular point of the negotiations incorrect your view on that 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 I know Michael in Castletambert earlier mentioned about the Fianna Fáil today Mark McSherry and he was uh, questioning about Mark McSherry and the fact uh, that he was actually supporting Phil Hogan well uh, this morning uh, Mark McSherry has come out again and he has says that a line now needs to be drawn under this controversy this is the Fianna Fáil today Mark McSherry discussing this and saying this earlier on Frankly I'm, I'm frustrated at the distraction it's become to the extent that um, you know we need to find cohesion and focus on our own strategy here which has not been good in recent months due to the calamitous own goals that have uh, haunted uh, ourselves over the last period of months So are they right? Should everything just be uh, a line drawn under all of this the interviews being given farming groups want them to stay uh, the overall view though from the countries that he should go uh, and that something should be done to reprimand him anyhow mixture of views there let us know 1850 the work of the RNLI across our coast it's just fantastic what they do a bunch of volunteers uh, saving lives and they've been saving a lot more lives this summer because of the amount of people who are staycating and a lot of those people who are staycating in Ireland are coming here to Cork but the RNLI of course rely on funds and volunteers and they rely on the people on the street to fund them. Now, this year, a lot of things have changed with COVID and restrictions are in place with regards to fundraising. So how are they fundraising now and how has it been for them in that matter? We'll uh, speak with the Orna Line. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. The RNLI have been busy off our coast over the last number of months as more people are staycating and choosing Cork to staycate and enjoying our beautiful coastline right across from East Cork to West Cork. But like every charity, they do need funding. Vincent O'Donovan is from the RNLI in Cork McSherry, part of the Cork McSherry Lifeboat crew, and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Vincent. Good morning. Morning, John Paul. Uh, it has been a busy year for the RNL. 
July. I mean, I noticed from all the various lifeboat stations right across our coastline, they have seemingly this year anyhow had a lot more call outs, probably due to people choosing Cork to, to uh, staycate. Yes, John Paul, and it's been a very difficult and terrible, difficult year for all of us in the country and the past 24 weeks, I suppose, have been very challenging for all of us in the rescue services around our coast. But, but thank God, you know, all of the agencies, including all of the RNI lifeboats, have been operational on all call-outs as required every day since the, the COVID struck us. And it's not easy on all our volunteers, but... You know, it's amazing to see that that great determination on all our lifeboat crews and officers around the coast uh, to make sure that when help is needed, the lifeboats and the rescue services are launched immediately. And you quite rightly said, you know, you know, the coastline is busy, and thanks be to God, it's busy because it's probably kept us all a little bit sane over the last 24 weeks, and we have a beautiful coastline. Yeah, and you know that uh, more than anybody else there where you are in Cork McSherry and the beautiful bay you're looking over there today. Uh, with regards to Cork McSherry, I mean, you've a, a host of volunteers there and like other lifeboat stations, without those, you simply could not go out and save lives at sea. Absolutely. You know, we'd, we'd have um, 30 volunteer group members in, in our station. We'd have volunteer officers, fundraising, educational officers, similar to every single lifeboat station around the country and around the eight stations in, 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 in the coast of Cork, you know. And, and it, it is challenging times. It's challenging times for exercising. It's challenging times for, for staying safe on the sea. And, you know, this week, only this week, only a couple of days ago, Baltimore and the Cox and Kieran Cotter were out in, in Storm Francis. And, you know, the, the uh, Unit Hall under Helen Chris Collins were out under Storm Francis. So, you know, whatever the weather, the, the lifeboats respond and they have to respond and they respond quickly. And I presume, Vincent, you yourselves have had to put restrictions and different measures in place within the lifeboat station and on the lifeboat as well due to COVID-19. Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, straight away, the Arnoloy... You know, they, they do everything fantastically well and uh, they, they issued uh, very strict guidelines for what the crew has to do, what the, the, the call had to entertain, you know, the, the contact at sea, uh, everything. But, you know, it's, it's quite difficult because, uh, let alone on a, on a stormy night, going out without these restrictions is tough enough, but going out and trying to keep your distance from other people, etc. It is, it is, it has been hampered but, you know, something, you know, we get used to it. Like like in life, we've had to, to, to adhere to all the new regulations and, and that's been great. And one thing we've noticed this summer from the rescues carried out by the RNLI, uh, and I suppose it's a warning for people to be careful as well, uh, and not to be using the inflatable devices that we see people going along and buying in various stores and then going out at sea using them. Something that I'm sure you may have seen yourself in, maybe not in Cork McSherry, but in other RNLI stations whereby they've had to go and rescue people using inflatable devices. I know we had uh, situations where members of the public indeed were doing that also over the last week or so. Absolutely. Look, and look, I'm scratching my head always when, I, when, I, when we talk about the inflatables. And look, our advice is very simply, you know, the, the cheap inflatable little plastic toys that are blown up that you see that being sold in shops and being promoted by big stores as well. They really are for your back garden, I would say, you know, for grass rather than the shore. Uh, we can't hammer it home hard enough that they shouldn't be seen next nor near the sea. Uh, they really are dangerous because in lots of instances, with the best will in the world, you'll go to the sea with these little plastic toys. You might paddle in, the, in, a, in a couple of inches or a foot of water and suddenly the 
the, the wind might take you out into dangerous zones and the sea is different and difficult at times and we will be saying to, to everybody out there that mightn't be very uh, mightn't be very used to going to the seashore don't bring those plastic toys at all at all at all they're really for your back garden and for a hose and uh, while well, you're mentioning the, the plastic toys and the, and the work you are doing there, all of this, of course, to keep the Ornelay afloat, uh, pardon the pun, but to keep things going, basically is fundraising is the big thing that you would do every year. A lot of the fundraising is a fun events across various parts of Cork, but because of the restrictions, uh, fundraising has been hit in the Ornelay. Uh, what are you doing this year because your usual events can't go ahead? Yeah, look, uh, fundraising like, like that of any charity or organisation has been severely curtailed as most of our annual events here in Cork, McSharry, and a lot of other stations has been cancelled. And and we here in Cork, Mac, I suppose, uh, one of our biggest fundraisers every year is is the Great Wild Atlantic Marathon Walk or Walks. Uh, for the last three years, we've raised over three, 23,000. This is a joint initiative with the Barry Road GA, and every single penny raised goes to the Cork, McSharry Lifeboat Station. Look, back in June, as we faced into the difficult summer, we had to cancel uh, the, the schedule event for Saturday, August the 8th. But what we did come up with, you know, is that we said for the month from the August the 8th to September the 8th, or August the 10th, September the 10th, anybody can walk anywhere in the world, walk any distance, walk any time, and make a contribution to our lifeboat station in Cork McSherry. You know, it, it's it's been... It's a great fundraiser for us. It's been a great way of promoting the Seven Heads Peninsula in our, our area from Inchidani to, to Cork McSherry. Uh, and, you know, but this year we've had to be different and uh, we want to people to, to contribute. We, it's, it's the one way we have of getting funds this year. And we, are, we have a high, an iFundraise.ie I fundraise page, Cork Mac, or an I support that uh, people can contribute or give to our committee members uh, or the Lightfoot Station in Cork McSherry. And they can be anywhere in the world, wherever they're tuned to us, uh, and you can do this wherever you are and then donate, and you can, as you said, to the Lifeboat in Cork McSherry or ifundrise.ie forward slash Cork Mac or NLI support. And I'm sure that and others will help to support your Lifeboat in Cork Mac and elsewhere over the next year because we don't know exactly what's going to happen yet exactly, uh, as we exactly. go ahead. Exactly, John Paul. And look, look, we at the, at the Cormac Lifeboat Station put a really heavy emphasis on education, safety, and and our educational officer and work and, and the walk committee member Angela Velmer O'Donovan, along with crew and, and other officers, have given the RNLI safety talks to probably over five thousand children over the past few years, to groups and schools, etc. And that's a huge aspect of the RNLI to know what to do when you're on the coastline. Are you ever get into trouble? And, and you know, like you know, the 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 the, the, the joined up thinking between the the GA as an as a national organisation and the RNLI in the promotion of the respective water campaign uh, has been a great means of getting that safety message across to our youth. And I suppose you know, as I stood in the the GA pitch in in, in Barry Row last night in preparation for hurling championship on next Sunday, we had three players of our lifeboat crew. Uh, playing out there. We had a few more involved in the Seven Heads Coast Guard unit. And we had our, our promising minor, Condonine, arriving a bit late, but we knew where he was coming from because he's a lifeguard with, on the Warren Strand this year, Con from Butlerstone, like many other people are, are them 
hugely essential lifeguards from Cork County Council on the strands this year around our coast and which is fierce important. It is indeed and the respect of water campaign as you say not only being rolled out in schools but I think everybody should have a look at that on the RNLI websites as well because it's good to know especially as we holiday at home and the lifeguards busy this year Vincent because we've seen that uptake on those visiting our beaches as well over the last three to four months. For the moment Vincent thanks for joining us and again best of luck to all the volunteers there at the RNLI in Corp Mac and elsewhere as well. Thank you very much, John Paul. Thank you. That is Vincent O'Donovan there joining us from the RNLI in Corp McSherry. Again, you can walk wherever you are and you can donate online for them to continue their fundraising efforts and continue the great work they do there with the RNLI. You can go to ifundraise.ie forward slash Corp Mac RNLI support. Peter Dodal is along following at 12.30. He'll answer all the gardening questions that we get in for you. So we'll get as me- through as many as we can anyhow uh, this afternoon. But if you have a gardening question for Peter, you can call Bernie or Sadie 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Peter, on the way after 12.30. A lot of calls and comments in on various discussions we have been discussing uh, and and talking about this morning. Of course, one of those that people are talking about right across the country and unhappy about is that of Phil Hogan following that interview he gave RTE last night back to those comments shortly also we're going to be going to Bantry and hearing firsthand from those who experienced the flooding in Bantry and the cleanup that was taking place yesterday afternoon our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran spent the afternoon in Bantry with those who were cleaning up following that flood but before all of that big question in uh, from Michael Michael currently is in the city and he's asking us to see does anybody know where in the city does an all day breakfast so he's currently in and around the city looking to know where can he get an all day breakfast can you help Michael any idea if you have let us know a text or whatsapp 0862103103 or call Bernie and Sadie on 1850-333-103 where in the city does an all day breakfast can we have Michael out on that obviously looking for a a fry up or something anyhow uh, on this uh, Wednesday afternoon now back to the situation of Phil Hogan should he stay should he go Uh, and what should happen with the whole situation because of the trust when it comes to what is happening at the moment in this country and how everybody thought they were all in it together until this happened with a number of politicians on that first of all let's go uh, to on WhatsApp uh, a person who is upset by this and says it's not about the virus anymore more. This is about the people of this country. We all have done the rules. People could not say goodbye to their parents in nursing homes. We could not go uh, to loved ones' funerals. And then this fellow you were talking about, uh, they want this bloke to stay in Europe and be involved with these negotiations. No. Sack the lot of them with no pensions after what this government has done. The virus has gone, according to this person. That's the fear you see because of what has happened. Now people are just disregarding everything and it could make the situation a whole lot worse in this country when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp. Another WhatsApp are here saying that how much respect uh, had Phil Hogan given to the agricultural community when he was flaunting the guidelines of COVID-19. He had total disregard uh, for the health of his countrymen. Well, this was when we were discussing uh, with Eddie Punch of the ICSA why that particular farming group and others want uh, Commissioner Hogan to stay in 
in Europe as we negotiate uh, Brexit and uh, the trade agreements with Ireland and the UK and Europe and the UK. Uh, Phil Hogan uh, on this con is saying people are too hard on Phil. Uh, there could be a couple of hundred jobs lost on the fallout from Golfgate. And Dennis said, I never thought we were all such a law-abiding people. There's house parties all over the country and nothing being done about it. While people are on about Phil Hogan, what about those house parties? Column in Buttevant says, if Phil Hogan is vital for Ireland, then should not all commissioners be Irish? They are all supposed to be non-biased, not treat any country better than another, says Column in Buttevant. While Jack in Skibbereen says there is no one indispensable. If Phil Hogan dropped dead tomorrow, someone else would be there to do his job. So Jack is not able to go shopping. He doesn't go to mass. He doesn't go to matches. But yet he says Phil Hogan can drive all across the country unfair. And a few texts in. First of all, uh, this person saying maybe Phil Hogan should be allowed to stay on half pay. And people wondering how long has Phil Hogan left? A couple of texts from people in the know saying uh, three years it was left by Phil in that role as commissioner and Pat says when I was speaking to the ICSA uh, he says well that particular group say they can't do what's popular and obviously they are saying out straight that they know by indicating they want Phil Hogan to stay as Europe, uh, EU commissioner uh, in that particular role that it's not a populist thing to say at the moment but they have come out and said yeah they know it's not populist but it's what they think is the right thing to do well Pat says uh, he said he can't do what's popular may I ask him he would like to know what is honest and maybe he'd like to do what is honest and I presume Pat you mean uh, for Phil to go uh, thank you for your text uh, Michael in Donnerill says Phil doesn't care about Ireland or the Irish farmer or the Irish people in general. He has shown how selfish and arrogant he is time and time again. I think he should be fired and sent home without his numerous pensions. Not sure uh, was he an agri or trade commissioner at the time of various deals in the Mursker deal when that was passed which would allow thousands and tons of inferior beef being brought into Europe with little or no regulation while us Irish farmers are downtrodden with rules and regulations at every turn. As a previous Texter pointed out the Irish government sent him to this unelected position in Europe only to get him out of their way here says Michael in Donnerill while Maurice in West Cork says we most definitely need Phil Hogan in Europe Brexit and Ireland's dilemma is bigger than him but we need a voice and an Irish voice at that table I don't condone what he did but he has so much experience and we need the trade portfolio says Maurice while Michael in Castle Tom Bear when I was speaking uh, with Eddie uh, from the ICSA Eddie Punch who's gen- General Secretary of the ICSA Michael says thank God that someone is talking since on the airways with you regarding this matter and on to something totally different this is to do with the, the high winds I suppose we've had over the last number of weeks at this stage and trees uh, hanging down and falling down but this particular lady lives in Bandon so maybe we can help her out by way of advice uh, she's living in a private house but next door the house is rented out now their trees they're hanging over her fence and they're very big trees and she says if they fall on her house it will be destroyed and they're also blocking the light now the landlord said he would fix this but nothing has been done since any advice on this Uh, well apart from going back to the landlord and maybe harassing him to do it 
Um, I, I, has anybody advice on that? If the landlord has said he would fix this, but nothing is being done for this particular lady who's in her own private home, but the house next door rented out and she's afraid the trees, uh, they're big trees, if they fall with more high winds, they could destroy her house also uh, the trees are blocking her light any advice because she's obviously gone to the landlord he has said he would fix it nothing is done uh, has anybody else been in that particular situation let us know uh, for that particular lady in Bandon on the issue of flooding which we are returning to shortly but Sandy uh, says she drove from Drina to Ross via Nakavoer recently and some road stretches were surfaced but showing signs of water damage now water is flowing all along that road uh, Verges six inches high prevent the water from entering the roadside drains some 18 inches deep. Now near the old male school and the road has trenches capable of ripping car tyres and also the verges need to be removed annually properly and not thrown up on fences to fall back into the drains. That is why the roads are in disrepair on that particular road that she was driving in, I presume in the last few days from Drina to uh, Ross Carby, Ross Moore. Uh, Sandy, thank you for your text to 0862103103. And on scams, we had a few calls earlier this week on various scams. The first one here, and this is a scam, so beware of this. Sean in Bantry says I got a scam call from Amazon earlier on saying his account was overdrawn and the scam artist was telling him to press a button but Sean in Bantry hung up and yes the best thing to do Sean hang up on those that they are scams it's been known Amazon have come out and said uh, that they are scams they're not doing that but when you press usually one or two or any button uh, it can actually reverse the call charges and you could be left with a very high fumble or else then what happens is you press the button and they look, of course, for your bank details. And unfortunately, some people do give their details and then you'll notice a huge amount of money or a small amount of money over time taken from your account. So best to hang up. Thank you, Sean, in Bantry. Those Amazon scams still doing the rounds. And earlier on the week, it was Baz also in Bantry uh, was alerting us to a scam text uh, that was going around claiming to be from Permanent TSB with a link. Now, he sent us on the link and even looking at the link, uh, I knew then it was a scam uh, text because it had a link of open24-bank.com and Permanent TSB's website uh, if you are online banking with them you'll know it's open24.ie so they say themselves if you see anything like that uh, like open24-bank.com or open24-lodge.com or anything like that it is a scam there uh, obviously look for the, the credentials and, and, and the, the, the security mark on your webpage and all of that but they do say to be careful of those texts because Permanent TSB uh, said to us this week that there are a number of fake texts in circulation claiming to be from them and obviously again they will never ask you to divulge any of your full security credentials to them but if you have responded to one of those they're asking people to contact their fraud department at Permanent TSB so if unfortunately you have responded to one of those texts and you have clicked on those links and given details and again Permanent TSB's online banking is open24.ie but if somebody by accident thought maybe this is real when it's actually a scam and you have uh, their fraud department at Permanent TSB can be contacted on 01669 that's 01669 for Permanent TSB their fraud department just in case someone out there uh, unfortunately has clicked on those scam texts but beware there are scam texts doing the rounds uh, from Permanent TSB 1850 333 103 lines are open your gardening questions 
questions are welcome Peter along shortly or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 uh, somebody asking did we get a reply from the Taoiseach's office as we mentioned last week on the show in relation to driving bingos no we did not get a reply we'll send another uh, email to them and they never came back I do know some driving bingos not all now uh, but some have cancelled over the last number of days uh, but we've got no official response from the Taoiseach's office on that and a text here and I didn't see it was on in the house but I actually wasn't watching it last night but I, I was it was on in the background but uh, the texts are asking did anybody see Room to Improve last night uh, this texter is saying talk about an ignorant and obnoxious woman she gave Dermot Bannon zero out of ten for his plans and it continued that way I just don't get it why someone would get him on and then cut him to pieces he did an amazing job but if I was Dermot I would have left her high and dry God love the husband says this particular texter now there was a programme on I don't know if this was a new room to improve or was it a repeat because there was a a number of years ago a room to improve that was like that particular programme you described there and we had a number of calls the next day from people who were angry and saying, why did that woman bring Dermot on when everything he said she wasn't happy with, everything then that he decided to do, again she wasn't happy and when the project was completed she was just unhappy. Uh, anything he uh, even came up with, uh, she wasn't happy with that and again people were saying, my God, what was the point in even uh, going along and subscribing for that particular show if you were going to act in that way? So I don't know if this is another, is it the same show again repeated or is it a new show uh, that they showed last night because because this particular text are saying that there was no sense to what was was done on that show and she kept giving Dermot zero out of ten and she felt if she was Dermot she would have walked basically out of that show anyway maybe you saw that do you agree with our texter uh, on what they saw last night on Room to Improve you can text on WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie Chapel Hill School of Art in McCroom they have an open day on this coming Saturday at one o'clock they will have free kids workshops as well as other artistic attractions and Knocknagree Parish Penny Dinners collection that is on this coming Sunday from 10am to 2pm it's at the GAA dressing rooms in Knocknagree and there's home baking cash donations and perishable goods they will all be accepted this coming Sunday there in the GAA dressing rooms in Knocknagree for the Parish Penny Dinners collection and the West Cork Toastmasters they are back in action this coming Saturday but they're back or actually Saturday the September the 5th they're back in action so Saturday September the 5th they're back in action but it's via Zoom so they won't be in their usual locations but they are back via Zoom and they're going to kick off their new term at the normal time of 11am and they would welcome any other Toastmasters members to join them as well or indeed non-members can also apply for a link for their upcoming meetings to simply apply and join the West Cork Toastmasters on Saturday 5th of September you can email them westcorktm at gmail.com Now we were discussing earlier on in the show regarding the situation and the flooding in Bantry and Bandon and how businesses were destroyed and suffered yet again in both towns Yesterday afternoon our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran went to Bantry and she spoke with those traders affected by the flooding 
Um, so Bantry is after getting flooded yet again this year. So um, local businesses have been destroyed. Not only have we been hit by COVID this year, uh, O'Connor Seafood, uh, which is Shane Spillan, the proprietor. I work in O'Connor's. Uh, he just opened the business two weeks before COVID hit. So he's been trying to keep the business afloat. And now all local businesses in Bantry have actually been hit again with massive amount of flooding. Um, absolutely, premises have been destroyed. Um, Keep trying to keep things afloat, so everybody's trying to do their best. Um, Shane Splan, who's actually from Yall, uh, the proprietor of O'Connor's, and uh, George, our lovely chef from Germany, um, who's we decided to gather this morning. We got, we've been gathered here since eight o'clock this morning, and we've actually been um, trying to work out the best situation moving forward to open the restaurant or not, even if we could just. Um, open for tonight and get some damage done but apparently not we need to get professional drainers in to drain the actual pipes and that's going to be dropped for tomorrow so there's going to be a massive amount of loss of profit uh, especially for a new startup business um, unfortunately there is no other alternative help or supports uh, for local community um, the guys for a plate of them are actually now going around and we're, we've been cooking inside in the kitchen beautiful thyroid curry from the menu um, lovely fish curry from the menu and some tomato soup from the menu as well and we're going feeding the whole bantry for business those owners to try and perk up um, everybody on such a sad day our old Wiseman and it's Wiseman's general drapery footwear ah, got a phone call at 10 past 12 was in 10 minutes later came in the door the hall door of the, the house came up past the wellies there was two feet of water in the hallway. There was 18 inches to 20 inches inside the shop. Everything was floating out towards us. It just was awful. There's some of the back to school stuff. We were just getting into some of the winter stock coming in um, for the winter because, because of COVID all along. None of it was coming through and it was just coming through this week. Some of my back black school shoes destroyed. Can't, can't put them out. They're going into the bin. Um, I got four, six cartons from another company in England. I lost two cartons there. Uh, there's toast. Just upset isn't the word for it now. It's just browned off. It's just, it's upset isn't the word for it. It's uh, Adrian Cronin and it's Cronin's Bantry Photo. We were at home, we got a call at half 12 that um, the new street was flooded. Uh, normally it wouldn't come that high here on the street. Um, we popped, uh, myself and Caroline came down, uh, opened the doors to find about five or six inches of water, uh, frames floating, uh, stuff that people had dropped off to be framed floating. Um, thankfully we were able to, to brush out the shop with uh, squeegees and stuff. The, the neighbours were fantastic, the Hurleys and the Murphys next door. and um, We got it cleaned out, came in this morning, Vacked it. Um, thankfully, it didn't affect the printers or the computers, but um, we, we definitely lost two and a half, three grand's worth of stock anyway uh, that we that we know of so far. Like Mary Kelleher, Larry Hands Cafe. We just got a phone call last night. We came in, the whole place, the street was totally covered. The picnic tables outside, the seats were completely covered. Um, the water came in. It burst parts of the wall in the back of the building as well because we don't have a back door, so the water was. I think there's some sort of a drain or something between these two buildings or something to do with the, the river yeah. um, and the, that burst so it came in from every direction. Normally it comes in and because it's the tide and it goes back out again quite quickly but it was static last night, it came in, it stayed 
it was it's it's dirty water like it's you know it's it's disgusting this is a flood that shouldn't have happened because the problem has been there for years and we've been hearing about it for years and years um you know that needs to get sorted the culverts need to be done this can't happen again no business no town can sustain this sort of thing happening on a regular basis and that's the reaction from Bantry yesterday afternoon from those businesses who were affected by that flooding. Uh, thanks to our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran who spent the afternoon with those businesses and why you can hear there they're, they're working together in Bantry. Uh, they're doing the best they can now to clean out the businesses and they're back open again for business there. But it's just the fact that this has happened. Uh, that has been mentioned before. I know we had calls in uh, saying this was mentioned in the late 80s. And again, nothing has been done since the 80s. So very frustrating, especially for the businesses who were there for a long, long time. And I've seen this happen over and over again. But all businesses uh, not happy, as you would imagine, they would not be uh, following what happened. Anyhow, uh, just some of that reaction from Bantry yesterday. More, uh, I'm sure, across the course of the week because the ministers are going to visit both Bandon and Bantry today to see firsthand uh, the level of damage that's been caused there in those towns and caused to the local businesses there as well. Uh, what will come out of that we'll have to wait and see anyhow uh, there's the reaction from Bantry yesterday now back to Michael who was on to us and he was looking to know he's in the city at the moment he wants to know where in the city does a good all day breakfast and Michael I can tell you uh, the majority of people have come back to us including Noreen saying tell that man Michael to go along to Tony's Bistro on North Main Street he does all day breakfast and they should be able to look after him there so if you head towards North Main Street Michael uh, Tony's Bistro should be able to help you there on your query uh, John and Clonakilty, any news when the decision is going to be made about the pubs reopening next Monday? John, at the moment, I can tell you no. Uh, there's nothing officially yet on that, but we will let you know when they come out officially on that um, and give us a, a definite answer. Uh, we, we'll bring that to you. Also, on Derek Bannon's show last night, and this is where we had an earlier texter saying that the particular woman who was on uh, with Dermot Bannon he basically came in to uh, change her house around and everything he did uh, she gave him 0 out of 10 for all his plans and basically uh, people are saying and including our earlier texter that if if that was her uh, she would have walked and left that particular woman high and dry uh, because whatever Dermot did she wasn't satisfied well on that yes uh, a few texters from even from Nora here who's saying I agree 100% with you uh, read Dermot Bannon Room to Improve programme last night first of all the programme was a repeat so it was the one we spoke about uh, or we saw before so yeah I'm, I'm familiar now with that particular one and there was a, a lot of uh, calls about that when the programme initially aired and yes uh, Nora saying Dermot and her husband are walking saints and also in that I did watch Room to Improve last night says this particular player and I thought the lady hosting the particular show and her husband were really lovely yes I know the lady was inclined to differ with Dermot but it is her home and she knew what she wanted she gave Dermot 10 out of 10 in the end and I must confess that I did really enjoy the show and the house looked fabulous in the end and the person said if people missed it they can catch it of course on the on the RTE player uh, and so there we are there's a few different sides while people agree with 
with your earlier texter saying, yeah, that the person, uh, our earlier texter said it was obnoxious and, and, and was was rude. Uh, then other people are saying, well, no, it's her house. and Let her do what she wants to do to her house. Uh, one final text here from Anya who says, uh, my husband was watching it and he made the comment, is that a repeat of the obnoxious one that was on before? God help the husband. So it seemed to put everyone off her with the carry on with Dermot. I would be too embarrassed to go on TV and behave like that. She obviously acted like a spoilt young lady. Well, she must have uh, been happy for, for it to go out again last night if it is that repeat uh, because I'm sure she would have to be uh, in the know for it to be aired again. But anyhow, thank you for your calls and comments on what was the Room to Improve programme last night on RTE. Various views on that uh, regarding that lady. But in the end, anyhow, according to one texter, she gave it 10 out of 10. So it must have ended happy in the end. Now, your gardening questions are welcome. Peter Doddle is along with gardening advice shortly. If you have a question for Peter, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We'll join Peter, the Irish gardener, next. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. And we're joined as usual on a Wednesday by the Irish gardener, Peter Doddle. Peter, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And uh, the weather, of course, wasn't great over the last few days. So various questions in from people who've been affected by that uh, with trees that have fallen over and whatnot. So I'll get in straight into the questions. That there's a lot of them have come in, Peter. But first of all, this is from Brida in Buin. And she's hoping that you might be able to help her with this one because she's hoping to save some sunflower seeds for next year. Now, how can she be sure that they are dried out enough uh, to store? Well... What you do is you wait till the flower, the seeds have ripened on the plant. So you, you let the, the petals and that go off and go over. And I, I suppose in truth, you know that they're ripe enough when they've fallen off the plant. But of course, it's a fine balancing act there to stop the birds from eating them all. So what I would do is uh, when the flower has withered and the, the seeds look visible, cut the flower stem. Uh, you could either hang it in a shed if you have such a luxury, like where you have you know, a place where you could hang it and let the seeds fall onto a table beneath and let them fall off on their own, then you know they're dry enough. Or hang it even in a brown paper bag upside down, you know, tie the tie the tie the, the flower to the bag so that the bag is kind of underneath and not touching the flower and let the seeds just fall into the bag. That's the best way of doing it. It's quite straightforward, it's quite simple really. Um and just err on the side of caution. If you think that let them come out of the, the flower head, whatever way you do it, let them fall out of the flower head on their own. And if you think that they need a bit more drying out, then just leave them leave them on a bit of brown paper or newspaper to dry out a bit more on, until you store them. But uh, they, they, if you let them fall off the flower on their own, as I say, inside probably, because the birds will get them otherwise, um, then you should be safe enough. OK, Mary in Kilbritton, and I know Tom and Butterfant has a similar question. This is to do with apple trees. As Mary has one eating apple tree. Now, it's a few years old. She got it as a present, but she has planted it out now. Does she need another apple tree for it to make fruit? And Tom is in a similar situation. The people next door have cut down their tree and there is not another tree in sight. So does he need now to plant another apple tree for pollination? So uh, for both of those there... Well, the answer to the question obviously is the same. It's yes, um, you do. One apple tree won't, won't fruit in its own. You needed a, what's called a pollinating partner, which really is a, an apple tree, apple, apple tree with flowers at the same time of year. So their period of blossom is broken into three uh, periods, uh, John Paul, basically early, middle and late. So depending on the variety you have, you want to get an apple tree that is flowers in that same period. 
you can get very specific and I mean a quick search online will tell you what will pollinate your own variety and some then like Bramley's are what's called a triploid where you need two others to pollinate so you actually need three trees now of course the trees don't have to be in your own garden because it's, it's the the bees and, and the flies that, that, that will pollinate it and the moths that will pollinate the, the, the apples and of course they don't care about private property or whose garden is what so provided that trees like the, the tom in Butterbent he was being pollinated by his neighbour's trees so provided there's a tree within 20, 30, 40 feet of it, uh, that that should be okay. Now, there may not be, in which case you will have to plant one. It doesn't have to be another eating apple. It could be a crab apple, possibly a cooking apple um, that will pollinate each other. If you know the variety of your tree, as I say, a quick search online will, will let you know um, the actual apple, to, to the actual variety to use in a blatant plug from my own book, uh, Gardening with Peter Dodo, which you, you'll find in all good bookshops. There is a list of the different pollinating partners in that as well. But yes, the short answer to your question, yes, you will need another apple. OK, and st- we'll stay with apple trees, Peter, there. John and Glantan, he has a very old apple trees and is looking for advice now on pruning them. Uh, they have been neglected, though, for years. OK, it's a, that, that's a quite a difficult one to answer on radio, John Paul. You really need to be there with the tree or to, to, to show. It. So it's what's called restorative pruning, which is kind of a descriptive enough term. It tells you what you're doing. You're restoring the tree by pruning. So you need to prune out a lot of the old wood. What you're trying to achieve in restorative pruning, which may have to be done over two or three years, it might be too much of a shock to do it all in one go. And November is the best time of the year to do it. So we're nearly at the right time, believe it or not. Um uh, what you're aiming to create here is a good open bush centre, a good open tree with no crossing branches. Uh, so obviously, I'm not next to the tree, so I can't show you. So bear this in mind. You want to remove any crossing branches. You want to identify the kind of four or five, maybe six main branches that are all facing out from the centre of the tree to create that good open centre, to allow, which will allow good air circulation. And that's important, John Paul, because if you have good air, if you have poor air circulation rather in the tree or in around the tree. That leads to conditions which are ideal for the development of fungal problems, uh, things like scab and, and mildew and grey mould, all these things which obviously you don't want your apple to get. So good air circulation, remove any crossing branches. You want four, five or six branches uh, all facing out from the centre. Um, then, but it's more of a case of next year that you're looking at this, you're, 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 you're looking at things, you want to retain as many fruiting spurs as possible. And the reason I say that you're, you're looking at next year this year, in the first year of your restorative pruning, you're really just looking at keeping the right branches and creating that right shape. You may sacrifice fruit for, for one or two years, but it will be worth it. Um, the, that's, that's kind of it. Obviously, any signs of disease, any signs of canker, you prune that out. Uh, crossing branches, as I say, for good air circulation. And the other thing with crossing branches is, of course, that they... Um, they rub against each other, and when they rub against each other, they, they, they wound the bark, so they create an open wound, which is ideal for, for infections to get in. So you, that's what you want to do. That's probably about as specific as I can guess on it over, on the radio, Dan Paul, without actually being there to point to the branches, you know. OK, yeah, I know it's, it's tough. And again, if anybody has uh, pictures that you want to send in as well to us, we can pass them on to, to Peter. You can always WhatsApp them on and we'll send them on to Peter just maybe to clarify the question more. Uh, Mary's in Mallow, Peter. Now, she's bought a small evergreen tree in a pot, but she wants to pot it outside. So does it need special soil or will potting compass do the job for her? Well, obviously, I don't know which plant it is, so I can't say whether or not it needs actually special soil. But normal multi-purpose compost is grand for planting out most plants. Uh, and if something's grown in a pot, like 99% of plants nowadays, it can be planted out at any time of the year. So now is a fine time to plant it out, providing it is an, out, an outdoor plant, which I'm sure it is by the sound of it. 
Uh, so planted out now, yeah, it could be the multi-purpose compost in, in the, underneath um, and then firm it down by just sand the soil in around it so it's not rocking in the ground. And the most important thing in the first few months of, of after being planted, uh, and don't laugh at me when I say it, but it's water. So obviously nature is taking care of that at the moment. But uh, if, if we get, and I'm very hopeful that, the, that they're going to rename the Indian summer the Irish summer because normally our Septembers are, are the best months in the year in terms of sunshine. So if, if you're planting anything out during this month, do keep an eye on watering over the next few months. And we'll stay with planting because she, this is the same Mary, she stores all her daffodil bulbs uh, this year. But is this the right time now to replant them? You're coming into the right time to replant them. I would, I'd normally hold off in kind of October before I plant any of the bulbs. With daffodils, you could start in mid-September, all right. Uh, but with tulips and things like that, I'd keep them. I, I know she's asking about daffodils. So, yeah, second half of September into October. And stagger the planting because that means if you stagger the planting now, in other words, do a few this week and a few next week, and then you're going to stagger the flowering period as well. You'll have a longer flowering period. But other bulbs like tulips and alliums and other of these spring flowering bulbs, I do recommend leaving them till later till the ground gets really, really cold uh, anytime between November and even January for those tulips and alliums. But daffodils, you could certainly start mid-September into August or into October. Okay, uh, interesting one here from Vicky in Lumberstown. Next year, she wants to grow a bee and butterfly garden on a piece of waste ground which is covered in grass and weeds. But how can she stop the weeds from taking over without using weed killer? Well, what is the weed, I would ask? What is the weed? Well, that's true wild, too, especially in those type of uh, waste grounds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a difficult one to, to answer because I, I don't mean to be facetious or cheeky by saying that, but what is the weed? Like, but a flower growing where we don't want it. So what, what you do when you're sowing a wild, there's two ways of establishing a wildflower area. Number one, you just leave what's there and let nature do its thing. Uh, and, and like if it's a grass area, just stop cutting. And there's an organization in the north called Don't Mow, Let It Grow, uh, which is where they, they they do just that with their, a lot of their public areas. And they, they've developed into very, very rich species, rich uh, meadow areas and wildflower areas. So you can either just let it grow, the area that you're talking about, the wasteland, uh, and see what nature provides. Um, or you can remove all existing vegetation, which I suppose is the more direct answer to her question. So remove all existing vegetation physically. Uh, make sure that the, the, you're, you're exposing soil. I have a video on my own Facebook page, Irish Gardener, where you'll see where I, I kind of show you how to, to sow the seed and the, 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 the way the soil should be. It wants to be clean soil. It doesn't want to be rich soil. You don't want to fertilize it or feed it. Scatter the seed on it. And again, water, 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 water. Um, and as regards then, like persistent weeds, or let's say a weed is a plant growing where we don't want it. There isn't a more specific definition than that. So if a plant comes in or a weed comes in that we don't want it there, there really isn't any magic wand. It's just taking it out by hand, I'm afraid. Okay, and Mary wants to know, and I presume she's looking into the, the winter, but she wants to know, should I keep my flowers in the pot outside only because the leaves could or are going to get burnt, says Mary. Okay, well, it depends uh, in Mary's situation as to what those plants are. So if they're plants in pots, they may well be summer bedding. They may well be just an annual plant, which is quite simply, John Paul, a, a plant which fulfills its life cycle in one year. Um, so they're, they're finished by the time the first frosts come anyway. They're, it's time to take them out and put them in the compost bin. Um, so that, so that's, if that's the case, just get the flower out of them, keep watering them, keep feeding them for now, get the flower out of them until the, the end of the summer, into the autumn, and then into the compost bin with them. If they're, if they're perennials, herbaceous perennials, which will die back under the pot, leave well alone, they'll be fine, they'll be hardy no matter what the weather throws at them really. But if they're a perennial plant or a shrub that is, that is frost tender, 
So you know it's a perennial, you know it's a plant that's going to come on next year, but you know it's going to be tender to the frost. Then uh, either bring it in if you have a glasshouse or a polytunnel or a conservatory, bring them in, sure. Uh, or if not, you could put some horticultural fleece around them on the coldest of the, the nights during the winter. And another question from a different Mary. This is to do with weeds and she wants to know what's the best weed killer to use on a stone yard and a garden path? Lots of Marys calling in today. And I'm All the Marys are out today, yeah. I've, I've been helpful to the first few Marys. I'm not, I can't be helpful to this Mary because I don't use weed killers and I don't recommend their use, I'm afraid. They're, they're too damaging. Um, and the jury is out on glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in, in Roundup and in nearly 99% of the weed killers on the market. It's not just Roundup, it's nearly all the weed killers. Um, there's court cases and there's, you know, one of the UN groups is saying it's probably carcinogenic. Another European group is saying it possibly isn't. So the jury is out, but I'm certainly not going to recommend the use of any weed killer at the moment. But, you know, we're in, a, we're in a species extinction crisis and... Using something like this, I'm just I'm not in favour. Like I can't recommend to that, Mary. I'm afraid. I'm sorry. Okay. Very finally, Peter, we have uh, two questions in an onions, and I'll put them both together. There's one person wanted to know the best way to store onions, and then another person on WhatsApp wants the best way to dry out onions, and should they be pulled soon? Um, depending on their size, you pull them soon, and like again, when the when you don't want the the onion to flower, obviously, because that means it's bolting. So when the foliage in the ground begins to start kind of going limp and, and wilting, that's when you take them out of the ground, So depending on when you plant them. But more than likely, yes, you'll be taking them out soon. The best way to store them and dry them, it's the same kind of answer. Uh, take them out When you take them out of the ground, lie them on a sheet of paper or a kind of timber seed tray or a slatted table. Just lie them, not touching, and let them dry out over a few weeks. Um, and then to store them, you leave the foliage on them, that brown foliage, and then you can just wrap them together, you know, plait the foliage together to see if kind of like a string of onions or else just a, once they're dried out enough after a few weeks, you could just, what am I trying to say, uh, store them in a like a hessian sack or something like that, even a cardboard box. You could put in some newspaper or some cardboard in amongst them if you want to take any moisture away from the bulbs. Uh, but if you've dried them out sufficiently, they should be okay. Okay, actually, very finally, one more in a tree that is, hasn't fallen over from Betty, uh, but it's just about to fall over. What can she do? The tree is loose, but there's no sign of cracks in it, but it will need to be removed. Uh, any advice for her? Because it seems to be a healthy tree, but it does need to go because it's going to fall over and hit a window in a house in about a the way, minute. The way you read that question, I was going to give a very smart answer, but I better not. You said it hasn't fallen over from Betty. I was going to suggest Betty stop pushing it. But Yeah, it's loose on the ground and it will go eventually, but she just doesn't uh, know what to do. Can she put it somewhere else or is it okay. too big? It's a big okay. enough tree. Well, again, without seeing it now, I couldn't give an accurate answer mm-hmm. to that. So it's a difficult one to answer. If, it, if it's a tree, and this is the important, why I always stress when you're planting a new plant or a new tree, make sure you're anchoring it to the ground day one. Because the two most important things when you're planting any new tree or a substantially sized shrub is staking it so that it gets good anchor into the ground and water. Uh, and if it doesn't get good anchoring into the ground, I often, I nearly cry, I was going to say laugh, I nearly cry when I see trees and, and kind of stakes loosely tied to them, nearly like decoration. The reason you're staking a tree is to make sure that root ball isn't rocking for the first few years. Because the result is, if it does, you, you face a period, which is where we could be now with this question, if it's, a, if it's an established tree, it'll never anchor into the ground and it'll rock and it'll probably have to come out. So all that long-winded preamble brings me to, if this tree is relatively new, like if it's only in there two or three years, you will probably still get away with, with 
with staking it, put in stakes and tie it good and tight to the stake to stop it rocking. If it's an established tree, so it's more than, let's say, three or four years of age, there's very little you can do, really. It's in the lap of the gods. Whether or not it's been transplanted is, is difficult, to be the only answer, difficult to answer. The only thing I would say is, is give it a go. So get as much of a root ball. Uh, wait now for another month or so to kind of November onwards. Take as much of the root system out as you can and put it into its new home straight away. And again, obviously, stake it as tightly as possible into its new home. But I can't say without seeing it, and even if I did see it, there's always going to be a risk moving it, but I certainly can't say without seeing it if it will transplant or not. Okay, well, hopefully that helps you there, Betty, for the moment. Peter, thank you for joining us. We'll chat to you again next week. That is Peter Duddall there, the Irish gardener. You'll find him on Facebook and on Instagram. That's it from us. My thanks to Bernie and uh, Sadie today on the show. We'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10 a.m. I'm John Paul McNamara. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.